Bring me shelter, I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me shelter, I will not harm you. I would shelter you. People would do anything for their families. It could happen to anyone anytime. Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on maps. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders and this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo. And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees... I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 855 AM, 3CR. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Welcome to Refugee Radio this week. We're going to be hearing an interview from Jan, who produced this on Tuesday Home Time, every Tuesday from 4 to 6. This interview is about Savesh, who was a 3CR programmer in the Tamil programs uh, for many, many years. You'll be hearing more about that in this interview, so please have a listen. The first time the outside world took notice of the genocide of the Tamil people in Sri Lanka was on July 25th, 1983, what some named the Holocaust, others the Black July Massacre. When Tamil shops, offices and restaurants in the capital's crowded city centre and main streets were burnt as police looked on. Thousands of homes were ransacked and burnt, sometimes with women and children inside leaving the Tamil people without a state. The real erosion of democracy in Sri Lanka began in 1956, with attempts through pogroms in 1956, 58, 71, 77 and 81, using hoodlums to intimidate and silence the Tamil people in their legitimate constitutional demands, closing all avenues to discussion and debate. In 1984, the Tamil Association in Melbourne approached 3CR for a program to give a voice to the people without a voice. And soon after, Tamil Voice was broadcast in English in a 30-minute pre-record which focused on politics and news from Sri Lanka. In 1989, Sabesh Sam Mugam, a qualified accountant, arrived in Melbourne and soon after he became a new voice on the program. Thus began a long relationship between Sebesh and 3CR. Sadly, 
the much-loved and respected member of the Tamil community, is no longer with us. I asked you, Pradesh, community member, to join with me in a tribute to Savesh. A commemorative event will be held for Savesh once the pandemic allows. I asked you when it was he first met Savesh. I met him in the late 90s. I can't remember the exact year. I've actually heard his voice on 3CR. I think those days it was on Mondays. I think the days kept changing. So I heard his voice and then I actually met him in a community gathering once and uh, that's when someone told me this is the voice, this is the face of the voice um, which rocks in 3CR. And what did you think of the, the programs that he was doing when you were listening to him? Those days there was no internet at all and radio was the only means by which we knew what was happening back home. Salvation's uh, program was very powerful those days because it was informative, sharing news and views from, uh, from home ground. He was passionate about it, and, and everything he did in that radio program, he was passionate about the struggle for the Tamils, uh, and he articulated it quite well. He was a very important part of that struggle, wasn't he? He was. I see him as a messenger, and he articulated the, the views uh, of the Tamil Tigers uh, and, and, the, and the larger Tamil nationalistic struggle very clearly in Tamil. Uh, in, in the Tamil language. He wrote his, his, his speeches, his recordings were carried all around the world, and he kind of galvanized the people through the, uh, the radio waves, is um, what I would say. Well, as you said, it's not, not only through the media, he was part of the community as well. Talk about his role within the wider Tamil community. Yeah, he did a lot for the refugees. He, he was... Um, he, he was pretty much part of every community organization. Um, he was a multifaceted person. He was uh, good on radio. He would be going, one day he would be going and raising money and uh, for the refugees. Uh, he would be coming up with uh, plans to rehabilitate them or, or help them out. He would be part of the uh, the, the Ceylon Tamil Association at that time. I think he was the vice president for a very long time of the uh, the Ceylon Tamil Association, or and then it got renamed as Elam Tamil Association after that. He's a writer, he's an avid reader. He was into literature, Tamil literature. He was broadly read, so he would be speaking in a, in a literature platform one day, and then he'll be talking about politics the other day. Yeah, I can keep going. You know, uh, He talks about cricket, he knows a lot about cricket. Uh, he knows about history. I haven't met such a knowledgeable a person broadly read uh, and with a single-minded passion for the struggle at the same time uh, in, in Australia. And he did return to Sri Lanka a number of times? Many times. During the peace times, he did, uh, because he had security issues returning in, 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 uh, in the wartime. So he returned almost uh, every few months. He would be going back and he... I remember him coming back and um, elaborating me uh, on how he met uh, the, the leader of the Tamil Tigers, uh, Philip Prabhakaran. And, you know, he, yeah, I, I got goosebumps from the way he described it. Uh, I know he, he writes and he describes that. That was his golden moment in his life, I would say, the moment he met uh, his idol or his role model and the, uh, the Tamil leader. Can you talk about that a little bit more, what he said? Yeah, I remember him telling me that he was standing in front of the leader, being speechless, shaking his head, that, and his tears running down his eyes. 
and how he most of he were, and he, he said he couldn't speak for for a few minutes, and, and until the until the, the, the moment sank in, that's when he started talking to him, and I, he actually ended up in kind of having a constructive argument with him as well. He's, he's, and he had the courage and the guts to do that as well to put his view, views across. So yeah, uh, I think if you towards his latter part of his life on his Facebook social media, he kept sharing those photos which he took with the leader. Uh, I think that's something he would have carried with him uh, in his memories uh, when he went to the event, event, event uh, in his last days as well. Speaks a lot about his friend, uh, one of his friends called Narin. Uh, he was known as Yogi. He was a political leader. Uh, I think the disappearance of, of Narin or Yogi impacted him mentally a lot. Narin was, uh, or Yogi, was one of the tens of thousands, uh, about 10,000 people who believe had have disappeared or been surrendered or, or been handed over to the Sri Lankan military forces and have disappeared and whose, whose whereabouts are not known and not knowing what happened to him, his friend, who's been handed over or, or, or surrendered to the army at the last phase of the war, had a big impact on him. Just go back a little, the meetings with the leaders, they were held in secret, were they? Yeah, they were held in secret, yes. In the correct. jungle? In the learning jungle, yes. He must have found it also difficult to get into Sri Lanka. How would Sebastian have entered Sri Lanka? No, the time he went was when there was a peace talks on, there was a ceasefire on. Yes. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't that bad uh, the time he travelled at that time. This is between 2002 and 2005 is what I'm talking about. And later? Uh, I don't know whether he returned back to Sri Lanka after 2005. I think his last visit would have been around 2005. You spoke about his friend who disappeared and he never found what happened to him. That period, late 2008 and into 2009, was a very, very traumatic time for all Tamils, wasn't it? Yes, yes, and he was in the forefront of it. Uh, his friend disappeared in May. Uh, I think it's uh, to be precise. I think he disappeared on the 17th or 18th of May 2009, along with other political leaders of the Tamil Tigers who handed themselves to the Sri Lankan military when the war came to an end. Sabesan was uh, in the forefront organizing uh, mass gatherings and protests in Melbourne, you know, uh, asking the international community to intervene to stop the war and to avoid a, a human massacre, uh, and, and to avoid uh, war crimes from being committed. And uh, all of our voices uh, were not heard, and uh, we all know what happened afterwards. How did he find out what was happening? What was the connection back when that war was on, the last stages of the war? Did he have any contacts with people then? Yeah, of course he did. As many of us did. Uh, I think it was a war which was not uh, reported widely in the in the Western media. It was a war uh, without any witnesses, as uh, as I would call it. But we had people. We had uh, we had people who had satellite phones. We had people who had mobile phones who were constantly transmitting images of the atrocities which was being committed. So uh, we was the one who mobilised uh, the uh, the Tamil people in in Melbourne. For the rallies, I mean, there were a number of rallies which we had in front of uh, the Federal Federation Square and many other places too. So, Sabesan and I was um, the, uh, the one of the key leaders who, who mobilised uh, the public in Melbourne. He later became ill. Do you believe that was the stress of that period that contributed to that? Of course, it did. 
the way the war ended, the way the uh, his dream and and uh, kind of vanished, um, and uh, the atrocities, the images of the atrocities which were committed by the Sri Lankan forces, uh, I think that took a big uh, big toll on him. I wouldn't be shying away from saying that he was traumatized uh, with what happened, and uh, he wasn't the same uh, salvation uh, after that. He did recover, though, didn't he? And then he got sick again later. Yeah, he had a spell of uh, cancer, I believe, but you know, I'm, I'm talking from a mental point of view. I don't think he took the end very well. I, I think that affected not just him, uh, a lot of people. A lot of people are still suffering from that. Sebastian you know, is, is one of the legs of that trauma. How will you personally remember him? Or how do you personally remember him? I remember him for his passion. And, you know, uh, I used to translate his articles in English from Tamil to English. So I worked very closely with him. I had many arguments with him on, on various matters, constructive though, very friendly though. I would remember them. Uh, I remember the way sometimes where he would call me up to ask uh, and we would, uh, uh, we would be discussing and debating about a suitable Tamil word uh, for an English word. Because he was very particular that when he writes in Tamil that he didn't want to mix English words. And he would come up with new Tamil words, and which would be then widely used. So I remember those moments uh, pretty vividly. Uh, and I remember his voice on the radio. I think uh, those late 90s, uh, his voice, people who lived in Melbourne at that time, and the people who listened to that radio think no one would forget his uh, powerful voice and the powerful message which came through the radio waves. And was his program or the Tamil program broadcast in other states apart from Melbourne? Victoria? Yeah, it did did get picked up by uh, a 24-hour Tamil radio based in Sydney, and it did get broadcast uh, around Australia, and the uh, recordings of these programs were sent to Europe and the U and Canada, and they were broadcast in the local radios there as well. He, his political articles, political analysis, particularly during when the peace talks was on from 2002 to 2006-07, was very powerful. So his, uh, that, that got uh, published in, in, in a lot of Tamil media, in newspapers and websites, as well as his uh, messages. Unfortunately, the funeral was only able to be attended by a small number of people. I'd imagine a great number of the Tamil people in Melbourne would have wished to have been there. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been a very big funeral. I couldn't go as well uh, because it was restricted to... 50 people or something so I couldn't make it and that uh, I regret that but you know I respect the, uh, the family's views on that yeah it, it would have been uh, a grand set off to Sebastian Anna who's, who's dedicated his life to the struggle and also friends outside the Tamil community it was especially esteemed here at 3CR yeah he's um, 3CR he used the 3CR platform very constructively as you would remember, he used to run two radiothons uh, to help the refugees back home, uh, one for the Easter Sunday and the other one on the Christmas Day. That raised uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, which went towards the uh, rehabilitation of the refugees. But, you know, the way he ran that program wasn't, wasn't easy. It was an eight or nine hour marathon. He would be there from the time it starts to the time uh, everyone wraps. So he's the first person to come and the last person to leave on those days. That is a, a huge contribution he made to the, uh, as part of the team as well, that he made to the community. A hard life to follow for others. It is. It is, and, and, and a big loss to the society as well. Such, such a talented person. He is a walking, talking library of Tamil literature, Tamil history. 
Yeah, and he's he's widely read. Read. I, I remember seeing his uh, bookshelf in his garage in his home and uh, his home before, um, uh, and it's it's massive. His collection was wide. There will be a ceremony to celebrate his life, though, won't there? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Once it's all settled, I'm sure there will be a, uh, uh, a ceremony organised by the community to honour his life and celebrate his life. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've been speaking with Tamil community member Jude Pradesh about his friend Sabesh Sanmugam. Over the years I interviewed Sabesh many times and what follows is a short piece of a longer interview which I recorded in September 2009. It's now three months since the Sri Lankan government imprisoned up to 300,000 Tamils in camps in the north of Sri Lanka. And today I'm speaking with Sabesh, who's a programmer here at 3CR on the program Tamil Voice. Sabesh, what are you able to gauge as to the true situation in the north of Sri Lanka at the moment for the Tamil people? Actually, the situation is getting worse huh? because the rainy days, people are suffering a lot. And on uh, top of it, you will know one incident will bring the real thing out recently about a couple of days ago the australian unicef official was asked to leave sri lanka because he had been talking about the same thing the plights that tamil people are facing there i think his name is james hilder a spokesman for the united nations children's fund unicef he has been giving interviews about the current situation how the tamil people are suffering and his visa has been cancelled and he was asked to go, and probably he'll be leaving in a week or two weeks' time. And UNICEF and the UN are asking the Sri Lankan government as to why this has happened. That is one issue. Even an outsider or a UNICEF person or UN official trying to talk about the Tamil people's plight, they have been asked to get out from the country. Meantime, some armed groups are making money at the moment. At the, as we speak now, if some, somebody has to get out from the camp, they are getting the bribe, uh, Sri Lankan rupees, 100,000 to 500,000 rupees. I think 100 rupees uh, will be around about 1,000 Australian dollars. But if they want to go to Waunia, that is the most of the camps are in Waunia. Just to come out from the camp, you have to pay about 100,000 to 200,000 rupees. And if they are going to get out from Waunia, from that suburb, they have to pay up to 700,000 rupees. In the meantime, the Sri Lankan government is telling that they can't release the refugees mainly because uh, they have to check whether any tiger carders are within them, but it's going to go on like that. Meantime, they are, we have been told uh, Sri Lankan government trying to colonize the Tamil areas so that Tamil people will become minority in their own land. This is what at the moment is happening, but the main problem is a lot of Expatriate Tamils, not only from Australia, from European countries and other places, they are sending money through various other organizations to give, for example, one organization will take care for one camp morning meals. Other organizations may take some clothing. So with greatest difficulties, expatriate Tamils are trying to help their people, but the Sri Lankan government is not allowing anything. So they are allowed access to the camps in a limited way, is that what you're saying? They have been limited access actually. If you say if you are a government supporter from any other countries, they will take you in. They will take you in and you will be given a tour saying that you know, to speak to people. Say suppose 
I am there, uh, and you come and ask, how do you feel? And in front of the army people, I say, I'm fine, I'm fantastic, I'm doing very good, I'm, I'm all right, everybody's looking after me. I have actually spoken to a few people. It's how it's happened. There are a lot of people are taking water inside, I mean, they are taking the Bowser, and they are taking water to the camps. I got friendly with a few of the drivers there, and they have got mobile phones. By when they go and <coughs> discharge water, I talk to people from here on a mobile. So they give it to me. I say, suppose uh, nobody will be there, uh, nobody will be, and the army personnel wouldn't be looking at it. When the truck driver gives the mobile phone to say one person, I will ask exactly what's happening, and all sort of stories will come out. How they are suffering, no meals, no medical funds, and also they are opening up what you call mobile banks there. Sri Lankan government, say, if you've got a relative there, casino, someone in the camp, you'll be sending money, uh, then they can bank it there. They, and, uh, so they are making the foreign exchange, and they are making, and also uh, you can pawn your jewelry, and they give money. I mean, it's going on, uh, it go, goes on like that. It's very, very difficult. Australian government should put pressure, because Australian government knows exactly what's happening there. End of the day, they are trying to deport the Australian official there. So I don't think Australian government is putting enough pressure on them. There's no point just saying that we are concerned, we regret, uh, we are looking into it. Nothing will happen. I mean, uh, we have been hearing this for the last seven years, all these governments saying that uh, we are worried about the Tamil people's plight and we are concerned, we will look into it, uh, we regret very much. What's the point by making some statements? I don't think any uh, that will help anyone. That was the voice of Sabesh, much-loved and respected member of both the Tamil and the 3CR community who died recently. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. So we've been listening to an interview with Sabesh, who has passed away this year, a 3CR programmer and a Tamil refugee, somebody who strongly stood for Tamil rights. And before that, we heard a friend discussing uh, Sabesh and all that is him, was him. So we're going to be finishing today's program with a song by Hani Abdel and Yari Bagura with Hope, which is about some young refugees who have been in Australia and detained in Australia. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM or 3cr.org.au. So, here you are. Too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong and how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan.
name is Yari Bangura. I came to Australia 2000, November 11, 2004. Ripped from my homeland like unwanted tree. I came here because my country, Sierra Leone, had a civil war. But the broken root of my country still tears at me. Due to the civil war, I found myself in a refugee camp where I stayed and it was not safe. Severed human limbs on the ground, blood like rivers all around me. My feet cake in gore. At night I couldn't sleep, daytime I couldn't focus. But here in this country is where I will grow strong. One day I, I remembered my elders used to tell me that education was the way. Education was a way to give us an answer. The earth is cool and green. My life is clear here and my spirit is strengthened. Poetry is the food to my soul. My name is Hania Abdine. I'm from Somalia. I came to Australia when I was 17 by boat, which was very hard. I hear screaming within a silent night, the one that you hear but you can't see, the one that you know it's a human voice but you can't share their pain. A country of 24 years of war and life was not that much good for us. As it comes to becoming first, first marriage, um, abuse, abuses against women and lack of education. They're still screaming. It sounds like a storm on a summer night, their world is dark and everyone around them pretend to be blind or deaf from the reality. So my parents just decided to send me somewhere safe where I can help myself and help the people around me. They tell their awful past, this is their story, it's part of their history, this is what's worth it to write. Poetry is a weapon against my stress, it's something that helps me to express my feelings in a way that I couldn't do it face to face. Screaming, screaming on a silent night. Join me, Aya Cry with Ubuntu Voices. Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African-Australian make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey Ubuntu Voices every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free. One of us is chained. None of us are free.